Hello, everybody. Welcome to Quantum Witch Cafe. I'm your host, Priscilla Stone. Before we get started, I just want to thank anybody listening on that UFO podcast website or on YouTube or wherever you're listening. Just a quick thank you. If you are here, you know, repeatedly, I thank you for your support. If you're new, I thank you for your support. Also, hello in the chat. I got some of my European people that are normally sleeping in here because it's daytime. Normally, I do this at night. So hello, Josh. Benji, we have Laura, Diesel Girl, Yanni's here. Josh is usually like, I'm going to bed, but hi. <laughs> and then we have Dutch UIP, Lord Boss, Diesel Girl's in here. I think I said that already. And I saw Linda in here earlier. So thanks for your support, everybody. Today we have Jay Christopher King from the Experiencer Group. I have the website on the bottom if you want to snip around while you're listening. But hi, Jay, how are you? Happy New Year and Happy New Year to everybody else listening. Happy New Year to you. Thanks for having me on the show, Priscilla. And it's it's great to see you. And uh, welcome and thanks to everybody in the chat as well today. Well, thank you for coming on. I have a lot of questions for you. Um, I'm newer to UFO Twitter. I'm newer to the scene as of this past year. So um, I, I did not realize that there was a group like this. And I probably say this so much people, it's probably annoying to people. But um, the first time I was kind of like in shock about everything was I was on the live with, it was you, Linda and Sean, right? I think that's uh -huh. the first time I met you. And you and Linda were just like talking about all this stuff. And she threw out some terms I'd never heard before. And I was kind of, there was one point where you're like, oh, what do you think, Priscilla? And I was just like, I don't know. Like, this is crazy. Like I'm talking to people that are also serious experiencers here. Um, and when I'm used to just like not saying anything. So thank you both. And, you know, everybody at the experiencer group for holding space for experiencers. But my first question is what made you decide to start the experiencer group? Sure. Um, well, first of all, uh, yeah, thank you so much for asking that. The Experiencer Group is a private member site dedicated to support, curiosity, and community for people who've had anomalous events of any and all kinds. So this isn't just um, ufology related. It could also be people that have had out-of-body experiences, near-death experiences, uh, people that have encountered uh, what they feel are ghosts or spirits. It's, it's a really wide range. Uh, and part of that is because a lot of experiencers, as you know, Priscilla, uh, experience more than one type of modality. And that was something that was very taboo to talk about. As um, Colm Kelleher and George Knapp put it in the original Hunt for the, uh, Hunt for the Skinwalker book, um, the UFO people didn't want to talk to the ghost people. The ghost people didn't want to talk. <laughs> to the UFO people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that has held true for many years. So it's a really nice, it's a really great way for the community to be able to speak to each other as experiencers and really compare notes. And I guess one of the reasons why we created it and um, credit to my co-founders, Stuart Davis and Kirsten Blackburn, um, we were, we had organized some Kirsten and I actually had organized some confidential meetup Zoom groups uh, during the beginning stages of the pandemic. So this is only, uh, gosh, April of 2020 or so that we started doing that. 
And it was mainly because there was just such a need. Uh, at the time, Kirsten and I were both working for the writer and historian and ufologist Richard Dolan, uh, who many of you may know. And uh, Kirsten was Richard's primary assistant and Kirsten helped bring me on uh, there. And so I was doing a lot of community management for Richard's site and helping out behind the scenes with emails and things like that. And we just realized how much need there was, how many questions there were for other experiencers and how uh, there needed to be a community. And I felt that years ago um, as a young person in their early 2000s uh, in a very kind of crisis point of, of having um, an overwhelming amount of regular experiences and feeling like there wasn't a community online where people could share without stigma, without having trolls or bots or whatever else was going on. And so basically over the course of the, that first pandemic year, um, after seeing how much demand there was for these Zoom sessions and have and organizing another group and another group and another group, it was just like one Zoom room was full. We had to get another Zoom room. And then, yeah, and yeah. so eventually it was like, gosh, you know, this needs to be bigger than this. And and so uh, Stuart, who is also um, one of the the primary people who was involved in these support groups early on, and Kirsten and I. Uh, decided to create a site and yeah it's been almost a year now it'll be a year on February 1st and it's amazing it's a it's an amazing and necessary resource I feel like and I'm thrilled when anybody like Linda or anybody else um, references it or mentions it and and what it does for them because you know I just knew that it was necessary for me right. and and I'm so happy to see that it it's beneficial to others. Yes, uh, it's definitely needed. Um, I barely talked about like my even to my husband like things that have happened uh, this year, and he's like, "What?" And, you know. <laughs> so most people just are like, "Okay," and then they like shut down onto the next thing. They don't process it. So I think it's great that they have a place with you and your um, you know your comrades to prat to, pra to like process everything. Um, and I have been referring people to you because I can only be, um, I'm only one set of ears. You know what I mean? So I, I have people calling me with like, and I didn't realize you guys did all experiences. I have people calling me a lot for um, their, when they first seen like a spirit or another entity they can't explain, or they're um, having like astral projections unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they call me and they're like, uh, so something weird happened. And I know that you're not going to judge me. Like, you know, I've always had this relationship with people and I wanted to like hold space for people. I don't, but I have not organized enough to have a website. <laughs> I'm like, you can call me or message me, but you know, it's nice to have that consistency where they know or people know that they have a place to go on this day, on this time. And, there's other people like that. So to me, that's very interesting and great to have around. But my next question for you is you didn't talk about your experiences with the group initially, or were you pretty open with the group initially? I was open within the experiencer group, but I was not open about my experiences online or in public. Um, before, before the experiencer group started, 
I was a confidential resource for other people in the field. And that's um, partially how I came to be uh, utilitarian for people like Richard. And, and so, um, but it wasn't until Ralph Blumenthal wrote an article ostensibly about experiencers, but specifically about alien abductees that, that I went public as an experiencer. Before that, I was on George Knapp's uh, Coast to Coast one night in April when wow. we were announcing the experiencer group in general. And I mentioned some ghost encounters early nice. on, but even then, <laughs> But even then, I felt like that was kind of like the soft opening of the door. Yeah. Um, but it, but it wasn't until Ralph Blumenthal's article that I I kind of fully came out of the experiencer closet, as it nice. were. I like it. Um, I I remember being in Alaska, and I've been on and off, kind of like into this stuff. My grandmother was a medium, so like I am familiar with like the spirit world, strange things happening. I had my first uh, sighting when I was five, so like I'm familiar. I'm comfortable with it. But the world's not so comfortable even talking about spirits at some point. And to me, that's like, that's just, your, that's a human. You, that's your own species walking around. So I'm just a weirdo. I really think that sighting kind of like jarred me into like a different, just maybe like almost a different world where the possibilities were wide open. But when you said you came out of the closet, I feel that. And you said it started with ghosts. And that's how it starts a lot with spirits and ghosts. Like um, I remember in Alaska, I made this big post in like my public post, like, I'm a witch, you know, and it was so scary just to say that um, a lot of us have like past life trauma from stuff like that, too. But that's for like a totally different episode. But I think it's interesting that a lot of people, you know, experience other things before or around the time of their first abduction or sighting. Um, why do you think that is? There's tons of theories out there. And of course, a lot of us think it's connected. But what, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I, you know, there's the common theory that kind of could be characterized as that they kind of leave the radio on when mm -hmm. they leave, right? <laughs> and, you know, there are, there are people like Gary Nolan that think that there is some fundamental slight neurodivergence in the brain right. for multiple modality experiencers, um, whereas many people might have an encounter or some encounters, but some people might be particularly sensitive and that that might be scientifically explained at right. some point in the future. I love that idea, right? Yeah. I don't, de I don't depend on that idea becoming no. reality, but I, but I enjoy the possibility um, where where the anomalous and science and traditional or academic science could could coalesce or come to some kind of understanding. But in the end, you know, what I see is that often um, with people in the experiencer group is that that there is often a compounding of modalities and a compounding of experiences once somebody has a few key ones and then they decide mm -hmm. to keep paying attention to yes. the world around them. I think that there may be, you know, one theory that I, that I think holds weight also is that our brains are kind of 
maybe subconsciously wired to throw extraneous information into kind of a mental recycling bin, you know, yes. where, yes. where something strange happens and then the brain's like, does not compute, <laughs> gotta forget it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And um, I had one key experience like that um, early on that I thought was fascinating. Mm -hmm. Would you mind me mentioning it? No, I would love to hear. I love hearing um, what people have been through. So please. Sure. So, um, so this is, this happened in my mid twenties and I had a friend who, who grew up off of Cape Cod on a small Island and uh, a couple times a year, he would bring a bunch of his friends we would all go out to kind of like the family summer house out uh, off of Cape Cod. Right. And I'd never been out there before. Like my, I have a very Midwestern family. And so this seemed like a really, like a, a view into a different kind of lifestyle, you know, as I moved to the East coast. And so, uh, and so there are about 12 or 13 of us staying in like a, a vacation family summer home. And one night we were out by the water and we were all walking back and there was a family graveyard uh, near this house. Okay. And we walked through and there are maybe about a dozen orbs. Okay. And they're all just kind of, we just, they're already lit up and already hanging out in this graveyard area as we kind of pass through some trees and encounter this area. And some of the people in this group had never had an experience like this before in their lives. Some of the people there had had a few drinks. Some people were completely sober. You know, a lot of people were just kind of hanging out in their swimsuit. Uh, one girl who I won't name had a digital camera and started snapping pictures right away. And you know, that kind of a group sighting was just amazing. Some of these orbs were about the size of like a softball, some were as big as maybe a basketball. And they seemed kind of, you know, intelligent. They seemed like they were kind of looking around. There seemed to be some kind of like playful scanning or drone kind of uh, situation being employed. And uh, after a little while of kind of hanging out in that space, some people were, some people were already actively weirded out right by that experience and wanted to get back home and so we started walking on the path even though some of these some of the orbs had disappeared and some of them are still hanging out there we start reluctantly i was anyway walking on this path back towards the house and a couple of these orbs came with us and they were almost acting like dogs where they were kind of like shooting up <laughs> along the path coming back that's so cool kind of like like, you know, looking around. The yeah. And again, one person got a lot of photos of this happening. And I don't think she's ever published them. She's not the type to do that. And we get up to the house and one of the orbs zooms into the house and <laughs> almost like puts on this show. And so we could see it You because it was an old house and no lights were on in there. Right. And because we were all gone. And so you could see it just like moving um, through the hall upstairs hallways seemingly because you could see the shine coming out through the windows and and it was just you know wow 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 this you know baker's mm -hmm. does so being amazed and 
uh, soon after we all went to bed. I don't, I don't really remember how the rest of the night went. And then in the morning around the breakfast table, everybody collects along this long dining table. And one person goes like, so are we not going to talk about what happened last night? <laughs> and weirdly, even then, only about half of the people remembered that it had happened. Isn't that wow. fantastic? Isn't that strange? Remembered. And it's yes. one thing to kind of like, whatever, like it's one thing to brush it off, but to not remember it. Right. I thought oh, that that was really interesting. Yeah. This is like 2003, 2004 that this happened. Okay. And so, and so even now, I mean, gosh, about a year ago, I was in touch with two of the people from that vacation group. And I was like, do you remember? And then they were, they were two of the people that did remember and they were like, yeah, that was really strange. Like, why did that? And I was really weirded out by it at the, at the breakfast table. Like, right. you know, like did people's memories get erased? Like, why was that? Yeah. And the older I get, like, I think that there sometimes is an element of that in certain experiences yes. where, where there's a concerted effort by more than one party to make somebody forget something. However, yeah. at the same time, I think that there is like a strong inclination on the part of the brain or the subconscious yeah. sometimes for people to forget. So maybe that's a feature as well. Some people are okay with remembering or some yeah. people's subconscious is okay with remembering or right. not remembering a situation like that. That's interesting. Yeah. Some people, and it happens all the time with um, like trauma, but that could totally, I mean, if that's trauma, that could be traumatizing to somebody to see something they don't they don't recognize. Not everybody wants to explore that side of reality. So I know a lot of people just like kind of like switch it off, um, whether they mean to or not, or their brain does it. But yeah, there's also like the whole thing where um, I've heard of people having experiences walking like through the woods and they didn't know they were like in an old, like a, like a civil war um, kind of like field not field, but like a pathway. And they, and this, this is in Missouri. And one of the people kind of like got transported and had his first vision and mm -hmm. they were doing CE5 before that um, and didn't see anything. Cause I think that a couple of people were kind of like sketched out by it. So it kind of like, it blocks things sometimes um, when you're afraid. So that one guy was very open to it. He wanted to see a UFO, but he ended up having this, uh, experience of some sort of like timeline or residual energy in the area where he sound he he was like in a um he said it sounded kind of like a like a tavern like a mess hall mm -hmm. like a tavern or a mess hall so um but the other girl didn't experience it at all she said he kind of just like stopped and was like spaced out mm -hmm. while she's just like this is a normal wood wooded area <laughs> and he's like somewhere else so um that's very interesting that the about the orbs though i always wonder why they hang out at cemeteries because i'm like you know like not everybody's soul wants to hang out with its body um mm -hmm. and i even had read about this one theory where they're kind of like cemetery fairies basically like they're guarding um people's bodies even though we just some of us are like oh it's just my body you know what i mean like <laughs> but yeah. to them like uh some you know maybe it's still sacred ground because somebody's body's in there yeah, and often they're they're also viewed over kind of static water, like stable water, like pond water or something like that, or a pool. And interestingly, there is also, though it was like a small island, there was actually a pond on that little island that was very nearby there, maybe 
200 yards away or something like that. So it could also be a situation of like a confluence of factors right. that made it more likely for these for these orbs to appear. I don't know, yeah. you know. But along the lines of that other story that you're recounting about the woods, you know, uh, that happens often that yeah. and it's and it's an interesting thing where people want to have contact or they have something like you know HICE or CE5 or whatever yeah. it is where you're trying to make a conscientious yeah. contact and and sometimes there's a lot of time you know sometimes people yeah. get frustrated i'll read these ac accounts where people are like i tried CE5 for like an hour yeah. it didn't work i was really yeah. mad and it's like well you know you like you have to dedicate like your yeah. day to it or sometimes you'll forget about it and then you'll go outside and they'll be like, Hey, uh, you asked for me three weeks ago and you weren't looking outside at three forty-five. you know? <laughs> so exactly. um, you have to like, I think that there's that whole thing where people are open also, but they don't, they don't like, um, so this happens a lot with like magic when you're doing spells and you want the outcome to happen. You, and it's also people that train for like sports do it too. You know, you do the, the, basically you imagine you're there and it's happening, yep. but you have to yep. feel it. And you have to really kind of like put your whole like belief into it happening. And I think that's a big part of any like sort of initiated contact or even intention setting in general. So I do have a question for you. A lot of people start getting their memory. This is an objection question. Mm -hmm. And I do have ADHD like legitimately. So I'm sorry if I'm, I have notes too, but I'm just oh, like, that's forget the notes. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate the trigger warning. That's great. So, um, and everybody that has questions, um, I'll get to them. I said, I'll do some questions at the end. He can answer some questions then. So don't think I forgot about you. I see, I see you. So a lot of people start getting memories back as a dream. Um, mm -hmm. And there are some people that like the initial light in the sky for them was a, a magical, beautiful experience, or maybe it just weirded them out a little. Or they were just like, yeah, I still don't know. But either way, after that, these dream scenarios start happening. And my dad's side is Native American, and I'm a witch. So to me, like the things that happen in your dreams, um, when your soul, when you're sleeping, like you have an astral body and it does things. And not everybody's going to believe that. And I'm sure a lot of people are like, oh, turning this off now. <laughs> but what is, why do you think um, people start getting memories back about their, you know, any experience, but most likely, most importantly, like abduction experiences in their dreams? Why do you think that happens? Do you think it's time for them to start remembering? Or do you think the brain can't contain that sort of experience much longer and keep hiding it? I, I think that's a, a, that's a great question, and B, yeah, that's absolutely correct that that, hap that that often occurs. And I think I think one possibility is that, you know, we were just mentioning the idea of kind of like the recycling, the subconscious recycling mm -hmm. bin, and perhaps there is, there is more of, there is another kind of box in the subconscious that acts more almost like a time bomb or an alarm right. clock or something like that, where it's like, you know, there's an element where we all recognize when we have grown on a developmental level at some point, right? right. Because people have kids or because maybe it's the death of a parent or something like that. You recognize that this big marker has happened 
or you know you just graduate college and get your first job or something like that you you cool. move into an apartment for the first time whatever it is like all of a sudden you recognize that you have made this kind of developmental marker where you're at a different level than you were before right and perhaps subconsciously it, it might trigger something where there's an emotional developmental level that or a a recognition that yes. that something has to be like you said has to be faced but you know, you weren't ready for it before and your subconscious knows that you're more ready for it then. And I think uh, very accurately to what you're saying, you know, those kinds of situations often happen in dreams anyway, regardless of whether yeah. they're tethered to actual history. You know, yeah. there are, um, I remember when I was young, I, I had a lot of exploratory dreams. And as I got older, I would start to have these dreams where like I really screwed up, you know, or I lied to somebody <laughs> or I like committed a crime or something like this. And, and it was almost like a video game where, yeah. where I would kind of, the, the dream would kind of play out to a certain level of me being kind of like me having like kind of screwed <laughs> myself over. And yeah. then all of a sudden I have agency within the dream and it's like, right. I have to fix my mistakes. Right. Right. Or something like that, where, where it was a dream where it was very me mechanistic beforehand. And then all of yes. a sudden I was, but I didn't have those when I was a kid or I don't consciously mm -hmm. remember having those as a kid. So, you know, perhaps similarly within dreams or within dream logic or the subconscious and what unlocks in dreams that, that as a lot of people have hypothesized previously, Perhaps, you know, the dream life does a great job of help nudging us along the developmental path mm -hmm. in a way that um, that we can't necessarily in our day to day life. Something that a developmental level that isn't exactly that might be more subtle than the kind of like, you know, signing your first lease or something. Right. Like that. Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I just, I'm so interested in how these uh, memories start coming back to people or how some of them have what they thought was kind of like an irrational fear of something and it ends up being connected to an event they have gone through um, with as an abductee and then they um, it's coming back little by little and they don't know what to do with it. So again, that's when they, they can go join your group um, to talk about it more openly. But I've also noticed, and I know you've noticed because you talk to a lot of experiencers, that the experiences kind of start, and Linda said lifer, and I never heard that till she said it, like repeated experiences, which I think I, I am considering myself, because I've had um, quite a few and mm -hmm. more than I could even <laughs> sometimes like, I, I know I'm going to see something if I'm looking basically, but then the next step of other experiences aren't like close together, but they're spaced out in a way where with a lot of people too, where it's like young, like four or five, and then in mm -hmm. adolescence, and then like later on in their adult life, like thirties um, for, you know, Yep. so why do you think the experiences happen like that? Or do you think that they're happening more often? And those are just the key ones that people remember? Or do you think that these, um, whoever's abducting them is kind of taking them at those moments for a reason? I think that it could be all of those things. I think that's that's a fantastic question, Priscilla. And I think, you know, one key thing to consider there is that um, along the lines of what we've been talking about, there 
there's the idea of what Gary Nolan and Jacques Vallée and others look at in terms of brain development with regard to anomalous experiences and neurodivergence. And it's possible that like in adolescence or when you're four and five years old, there's, and I can't even imagine, you know, I'm not a scientist myself, but, but it's hard to even imagine how much brain development is happening at those key ages, right? During adolescence or when you're four or five, you're just getting into your school years. You're just, everything yeah. is a new experience. You know, your body's growing, your brain's growing, right. everything's growing. And, and so, and then back in, in, often there's kind of a crisis point or like a a developmental point in your 20s when it's just almost too much or something like that and then and then things become more periodic in 30s 40s and afterwards and so to me that makes a little bit of sense from a from the the perspective of like brain development that there might be that there might be um a kind of a kind of situation where your brain kicks into a high gear and it and all of a sudden like the evolutionary filters are just right. reduced or gone yes. entirely in a way and that that might be there might be an element of evolutionary safety that that creates you know mm-hmm. where you recognize you're four or five years old and all of a sudden you're allowed to wander around the property or something like right. that. Maybe it's good for the those blinders to kind of go down yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then in adolescence, again, as people become more like, uh, they people often are are kind of wandering farther farther from the property. Yes, that's true. Yeah, they're becoming more hyper aware, right? Yeah, yeah. And then and you know, sexually vulnerable, all sorts of different forms of vulnerability start coming into play during adolescence. So that's possible. And then at the same time, there is, you know, there's there's from a from a, another viewpoint, you know, there there are a lot of accounts where, for example, with ad, abductees and, and such, that that other beings that are just that are actual physical beings that are not archetypes and are not necessarily some kind of like um discarnate shamanic entity that might that might be appearing to you you know those actual physical beings have their own timeline in terms of how they approach people and what they're interested in and a lot of people say that it has or hypothesize and it seems to make sense that it has something to do with physical development right and so i could understand how it could be very confusing in a way that there could be this kind of strange overlap and maybe it's possible that our developmental that our brain development starts to kind of like ping on somebody else's map you know what i mean yeah. that they can see some kind of like brain activity that they can see something as almost like a trigger or something like right. that um but you know at the end of the day i'm not entirely sure but i enjoy um keeping an open in mind and yes. trying to and just taking in the information that i can you know absolutely and i know that you you're very educated in a lot of the science of this stuff but um like on my show i like to i like to know what people think as themselves not what the you know like True. not like uh, what i read here or what this person said so i appreciate yeah. you kind of like um, venturing out like that because not a lot of people are comfortable um putting themselves out there with what they you know their own like hypotheses or you know thoughts so thank you <laughs> sure. um 
I wanted to ask a question about the type of people that have experiences. From the people I have talked to, it seems like all over the place. Of course, there's people that want to study blood type and um, say this happens more frequently with these blood types. But is there any anything else? Like we know the whole repeat experiencer um, happens, but like the, like if their grandmother or mom had an experience, that seems to be mm -hmm. another thing. But is there anybody that like, uh, is there any sort of demographic that you've noticed or is it sort of just like a little bit of every type of person? Well, um, there are some, there are some groups that I've noticed are more likely to have lineages and it's, it's a really controversial and interesting, uh, situation. And one subgroup, are certain Native American lineages, as you were mentioning earlier. Um, that's definitely something that has been commented on. And um, I think that that's fascinating, you know. Um, there's also a, you know, I first of all, before going into kind of sub, I don't think that anybody, any particular group is boxed out of this happening. I think right, this could yeah. happen. This could happen to, I mean, as a caveat, this could happen to any any person whatsoever. I think I or that so far that's what I've seen. I've seen yes. people from every walk of life, people that are absolutely destitute, poor to incredibly wealthy, you know, all across the board. Any you know, as far you know across the world from New Jersey where I am right now to here, you know, right. I think that it can happen to anybody. But there are some groups. And there does seem to be some more lineage sometimes in certain um, Native American groups. There seems to be something with like um, uh, uh, Celtic people from that have kind of Scots-Irish um, lineages. There seems to be a little bit more there. And it's interesting in, in that kind of situation where um, we find folklore from everywhere that have anomalous yes. experiences, right? Mm -hmm. There's I, I can't think everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I can't think of a single group that historically that just says it, you know, like spirits, ghosts. Yep. Nope. Doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, like I don't, yeah. I don't know of any indigenous group yes. that, that thinks along those lines. Maybe there is one, but and they'll they name them something else too. Right. Like, like growing yeah. up when I would see things, I'd be like, is that an angel? Or like, Oh, that God sent a light. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I grew up the Catholic, sky people, so. the ant exactly. people, whatever. There's all sorts of different uh, naming conventions for this stuff. Absolutely. And, and one other thing is um, that has been really interesting. And um, it's something that I haven't really mentioned much and other people haven't as well. It's kind of a closely guarded situation, but there are a lot of people um, that have ancestors that are direct ancestors or close ancestors that have been involved in the military programs and oh, yeah. even uh, confidential military programs, aerospace, um, and even um, like DARPA programs and yes. things like that, um, where grandparents, parents, uncles, aunts have been involved in things like that. And suddenly mm -hmm. somehow they're either there's a chicken and the egg problem because people say, right. you know, is it, are you paying attention to, to a certain subgroup because you know of other people within that subgroup? Right. And also like, you know, what 
got them into aerospace in general or that kind of like independent yeah. thinking that would make you a a high level engineer in the beginning right, right. could there have been something there before yeah, you got to that job that could be within the realm of the anomalous or could be in the realm of neurodivergence or something like that who knows right but um but there is something there that's very interesting and so there's a lot of people that i know of that are you know the children or grandchildren of military contractors and things like yeah. that specifically within engineering and specifically within weaponry and within yeah. aerospace and that happens more frequently than people often admit or acknowledge and it's a really curious and yes. sometimes like a troubling data point that that could be something that's yeah. happening um, and, it seems that. be, and it seems to be something that specifically is is an area of abductees which is kind of fascinating that is fascinating when i talked to geraldine orozco i didn't realize all these um i didn't realize that there were certain things like she mentioned that too um like the, you know oh. mm -hmm. when i had said something about uh an experience she said well um, you said, you know, your husband's military, but is anybody else military, um, you know, going back? So that was kind of one element that I never thought of. And it, it kind of like it is it's an interesting area. And it's kind of scary if that is a deciding factor, um, because that definitely sounds like some sort of human crap that's being done. You know what I mean? Because with the kind of like a with, with my scenarios, I kind of was able to after talking about it to people. Um, I kind of determined like they're just doing their job. I haven't had an experience where they basically said we're just they didn't say, oh, we're doing our job, you know, like little grays with suitcases, you know. But um, <laughs> I mean, that yeah. was like the feeling because they don't talk how um, like we're talking right now. Sure. It's just kind of like that. It kind of goes through like a clear cognizance where you just kind of like know what they're saying. Um, mm -hmm. And after that, like, yeah, like nobody, not a lot of people would ask for that to happen. But after that, it kind of gives you a little clarity. But I had never thought about the um, the military thing till Geraldine had said it, and now you said it. And then mm -hmm. also, um, she's the one that pointed out, she was telling me, like, the first, she gave me, like, a whole scenario, like, oh, the first experience usually. She was talking about the hybridization program, though. Sure. But this kind of happens at this age, and then this happens at this age. And each age, she said, I felt like somebody was, like, stabbing me in the stomach because that's kind of, like, where my experiences were timed out, like, the, the key ones. Other than yeah. little lights, you know, because I, I know that if I go outside, I'm going to see one. If I go out at nighttime, you know, even in the daytime, mm -hmm. like if I if I go out and I know I'm going to see it's weird. And that brings sure. me to my next question is with experiencers and maybe even yourself um, with what you've been through and what you've experienced. Do you know when you're about to have an experience? Because there's that whole like feeling that people get and I don't know if it's considered part of the high strangeness or whatever but a lot of people will say like I get this like I know when I'm gonna have experience I get this weird like feeling mm -hmm. like there's like a charge to the air something's different um like in their you know it just feels different to them yeah yeah I mean I I definitely do have that feeling and it's sometimes it pings wrong like sometimes I have that feeling and nothing happens that's right. an important thing and so there is maybe a little bit of like left brain right brain um worry that can happen and people right. often talk about the hyper vigilance of being an experiencer or being an yeah. abductee where you know it's like oh my gosh it's three in the morning something's gonna happen three, yeah. it's three in the morning i just woke up 
I don't know right. why. Yeah. Something's going to happen. And that kind of, uh, and a panic can set in. That happened, that happened with me often in my mm -hmm. earlier years. Um, but, you know, there is, there definitely are times where I, I quote unquote know something is going to happen mm -hmm. and then it does. And it's usually because of a confluence of, of, of elements, right? There's sometimes in terms of abduction events, sometimes um, there's a hum, there's a certain kind of hum that happens. Um, sometimes there's, there's a strange flashing of light that you can't place. And it seems right, to be something yeah. that's, that's supposed to, yeah. it seems like a piece of technology that's built to wipe you out, to kind of yeah. like make you tired or make you pass out. And yeah. I don't know what that is really, but it appears almost as, as a strobe light in a room. And, right. you know, one will happen and you start to feel a little woozy. Yeah. And then one could like try, I've tried and other people have tried to like, <laughs> you know, kind of like stay uh, aware. It's like, yeah. take, you know, take a drink of water or, you know, you know yeah. <laughs> pinch yourself or whatever to try mm -hmm. to stay aware. And then if that happens, you know, you'll, you might get it you'll often get like a second or even a third flash. <laughs> and, and what I've, what I've experienced myself and others have reported yeah. as well, but what I've experienced is that the more that you resist those flashes, like it's still yeah. going to happen. Yes, it's just that you, yes. you wake up with more of a hangover the next day. Like, yeah. like in the morning, if I get, and I'm more laughing because like I know what you're talking I'm about. Like, I'm not laughing at it. I'm laughing because I'm sure. like, I've I appreciate you so. saying that. Yeah. Yeah. I know how it is. And like, I, I agree with you. Sometimes people like, really joke about this stuff, but it's a fundamentally right. very serious yes. thing. And there's a lot of, there's can be a lot of, there can be humor among people that have experienced it. And, right. and, and often it's just, it's, it's a way of, of, of relieving anxiety and frustration yes. and things yes. like that. Right. Hoping and there's, you know, it's a common sense of, you know, black humor exists for a reason. Right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so, I'm so guilty of it, but I just want to let you know, like, oh, I, cause I laugh sometimes um, when I relate to something. Cause I'm like kind of laughing. I'm like, oh, I know what you're talking about, but um, I didn't want you to think I was laughing at the, oh, what sure. the experiences or what you're saying. So I've been accused really, at times in my oh, real life. Really, you're, everything's a joke to you. I'm like, no, I just like, like I start laughing. I understand. <laughs> I really, I really appreciate you saying that. And, and for anybody that. listening too, I don't want you to think I'm laughing at that, but yeah, I know. So, so you said like the whole, like um, the harder you kind of resist it, it's just like, it's almost inevitable that they, it's going to happen. Yes. And the more you fight it, like you feel more sick the next day or like, that's right. Yeah. It often can, it, 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 it feels very much like a hangover. Like mm -hmm. it feels very much um, like just a ringing, headache yeah it can happen the more flashes you get so in that way i eventually you know it's a difficult situation because you get the one flash and and there's times where it's it's a difficult situation to recognize that there are so many people that have this kind of hyper vigilance that try to do whatever they can i know people that have installed um, security systems in right. the house, people that keep weapons, mm -hmm. um, people that, you know, installed more locks, deadbolts, all sorts yeah. of things like that. And more it doesn't necessarily, <laughs> more animals in the house and, and nothing, and seemingly nothing, you know, really works in a, in a, right. in that kind of way. You know, some people, 
um, use a ritualistic process of like prayer or yeah. home protection rituals. And that mm -hmm. can seemingly help from some other entities, tulpas yes, yes. or discarnate entities, things like that. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily help. Um, it doesn't necessarily help that hybrid is it that specific mm -hmm. group of non yes, yes. physical entities, you know? Yeah. yeah. I just have this mental picture of one of them walking up. That's the, uh, doesn't care about that. And like throwing my little crystal out the window, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Picks me up and throws it and, out the <laughs> yeah. Um, there, there, there are other indicators though, like for example, in winter months or in warmer months, uh, especially if you live in a climate controlled house, you know, if you're used to a certain climate, you've got your mm -hmm. air conditioner running or whatever, your heater running, um, it would often happen that I would I would hear the hum or the flash would happen or something like that. Or even just the feeling of being watched, which is which is a difficult thing to explain. But a lot of people right. live in urban environments and it's often noted in an urban environments that, you know, I, I've. I've lived in the New York City area for over 20 years now. And it's very common to be walking down the street and be like, who's looking at me? And right. then you look up in some apartment <laughs> window. Somebody's looking at you. <laughs> and there's some old, you know, Latin grandma <laughs> looking out the window or whatever. And you're like, oh, what is that? And it seems creepy at first, but there's actually, that actually has been explained scientifically. Right. There's, it's a, a mere neuron transmission. And oh, it's a strange, and, and it's a, and it seems to be an evolutionary uh, principle to know when uh, like a predator prey thing to know when yeah. you're being watched and and get, so like, there's this trigger. that brings so many more questions right right you know, absolutely like, like if it's back in hunter gatherer days we're hiding from some bear or tiger or whatever wherever you're hunting and gathering and you just like it's not even near you yep. and you know it's there like i know like my witchy answer is always like oh well we have an energy body duh like <laughs> but for yeah. people that don't buy into or believe in and you know even like a entanglement would explain it if you go that sure. way you know um if you don't want to yeah. be spiritual about it but that's just um insane that it triggers something in like our neurons yeah and 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 it's very possible as you say that there might be something within what people call the energetic the astral the astral plane or something like that that actually is more primary and then it pings in your brain yeah. chemistry or something like that. That's possible too. Um, but, you know, uh, partially for the purposes of speaking in public or, or and things like that, I, I've done some research with things that, yeah. that more nuts and boltsy or more, right. or more the general public might be able to understand. And so sometimes I, I, I refer to those things first, but I also yes. completely appreciate the the perspective of what could be termed like the etheric the etheric body right. the astral body or the energetic yeah. body or anything along those lines as well yeah. you know i think that for me personally m like my hypothesis or my my personal belief at this point that the stage of the game would be that it's very possible that consciousness is more primary than matter right you know right. i i think that at the very least i think that that is uh, that seems highly probable to me right. um, from a way that I can understand. And I, I'll be happy to uh, be proved wrong or, or <laughs> myself wrong in the future. With right. that. But along yeah. those lines, it's, I, 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 I'm, I'm interested in the consciousness field for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. That's something that I think a lot of uh, like people that are interested in the phenomenon, like are interested in consciousness and the science that is coming through. We're seeing more and more, 
um, people studying it on at serious universities, you know, the serious scientists are getting into it. And, you know, I, I think it's cool. I like both sides of it. Um, I, I have a molecular biology background, so I had to take all sorts of awesome physics and organic chemistry. <laughs> That's so awesome. I love the teeny tiny things and the smaller it gets, like I love reading like, um, you know, books through about like quantum mechanics and, you know, quantum physics. So it's, uh, I like it all. I think mm -hmm. I just like learning um, every aspect of things. But to me, it's all starting to kind of tie together in a way. And more and more people are like, I'm beginning to think that this is related to consciousness, you know, and some of us will be like, well, yeah. Mm, good for you, buddy. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> you think? Like, tell um, me more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm like the if I if I've heard it before, I have to be careful because I like just smile and I'm the smile and nod person because um I've been accused of like uh being kind of like a, a know-it-all or like you can't just be like, yeah, I know. Like you know, people don't like that. So <laughs> you have to be polite and just be like, tell me more. Like <laughs> because they oh, people sure. like I explain things differently too. So it is important to hear what everybody says, but um, a lot of people are finally like concurring that like the consciousness aspect plays into the phenomenon like like a lot and uh, it's very interesting but then like you said there's all sorts of kind of it's not just phenomenon it's phenomena there's like like you said there's these you know these physical you know the, the grays that people say like are physical and come and then we have these more ethereal ones and then we're dealing with the spirit world and you know like skinwalker ranch is the perfect perfect place to kind of like um explain that to people mainstream like there's other places like that and i think that a lot of like if you're the right kind of person everywhere is like that but mm -hmm. there it just seems to be happening to people that have not had those experiences before mm -hmm. and um it's just interesting it'll be interesting to see like how that gets explained yeah i agree i think that oh i've got some sirens coming in here so awesome. i apologize for that <laughs> but um yeah some authentic new jersey Jersey City life. Oh my um, goodness! Yeah, but um, I'll be moving to Baltimore next year or this year now. So uh -huh. um, I'm prepping myself for more noise. <laughs> oh, gotcha! Absolutely, yeah, Baltimore. Um, I think you know. I think it's interesting. I was I was talking with uh, Nick Cook the other day on Witness Citizen. At, oh, you know, cool. you've hosted co-hosted Witness Citizen with yeah. Sean and Sean's great. and Sean is amazing and and we were talking to Nick Cook the other day, who was one of the winners of the Robert Bigelow uh, consciousness essay contest. Right. Oh and yeah. He, yeah. And he and other people that, that um, were, were um, writing essays about consciousness and consciousness after death were pointing out that, that, you know, in our physical plane, uh, science, many scientists, material scientists have figured out that, there should be much more that they can detect more matter and more energy than we can, than we perceptively see. Right. And yeah. so they, there's the theory of dark energy or dark matter. And the idea that we can only, we only know of seemingly 5% or around there maybe of, of the energy right. or matter that's out there. And we can't even tell where or what that energy or matter would be, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, people like Nick and Ingo Swan, uh, mm -hmm. the, old, the old remote viewer, and many other people, many, many other people have with, that are a lot less woo than some people might think of Ingo Swan as, 
um, have have really kind of run with that 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 there could be you know overlapping realms with us and that make that theory makes a lot of sense to me yes, that so. you know that we're essentially when it comes down to it the matter that we are is just um, we're energy that's spinning at a very specific frequency right and that's literally true that's scientifically true that's not yeah. no, it like is. a new yeah. age concept <laughs> it's just what we are our molecules are just spinning at a certain rate yeah. and we see what we see and experience are other things that are where the molecules are and the energy is spinning right. right about in the same range. And, and if it's off of that, then we don't, we don't interact with right. it. And it, and there's, there's a lot, there's a Venn diagram where that, where the, there are many kinds of Venn diagrams that one could work with there. Like perhaps right. Skinwalker Ranch is just, you know, the middle section of a right. Venn diagram, an overlapping where there's like portal energy as people have have often thought of and you're right many experiencers or lifers as some people might call them might just that maybe they're they have some kind of evolutionary or some kind of received or built up um uh, uh filter where right. or lack of a filter right. where those overlapping realms might be more able to be sensed yeah yeah. And I think our ancestors definitely had that. So it's interesting to think um, some people are thinking that the whole um, the change in the brain that you're talking about might be like an evolutionary thing moving mm -hmm. forward. But I think that it, to me, I think it's backward because I feel like the, the human of today are so conditioned to just deal with noises and sirens and a thousand things going on around us. And the people that are more in touch with these uh, energies and are actually kind of closer to their ancestors in a way. And that's just a theory guys. Like I, I didn't read anything about that, but you think about like, it's, 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 it's cause the reason I say that too, is like where that area in the brain is that um, Gary Nolan's settings, like inside mm -hmm. it, you know what I mean? So um, it's the inner brain. So it's like, uh, to me, I'm like, well, that supposedly developed first. And then we got all this fluff on the outside now, but <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Was... It's very interesting. Absolutely. I was, I was talking to my mom about that the other day. I was, I was um, visiting my mom in Minnesota a little while ago and she, and I was talking to her about Gary Nolan's um, work with the brain and experiencers and whatnot. And, she, and she kind of smirked and she was like, so you're saying the experiencers are probably less evolved than the other ones, right? <laughs> right. She likes bringing me down to earth, you know, literally and figuratively sometimes. So right. It's going to be helpful to put my feet back on the ground. And she was just trying to get a laugh out of me and it worked. Well, I mean, it's a it possibility. Worked. I've heard Absolutely. other people say it too. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, because we like to think eventually like we're growing to have like telepathy and all this cool stuff, but we don't know. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. So we are like coming up and we're like almost at an hour. Do you have time for, I could obviously talk to you like forever about this stuff and I have a thousand more questions, Sure. but do you have time for a couple of uh, chat questions? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So I don't know. I'll start at the top. I saw Alien Lives Matter. He always has a lot of, or this person always has a lot of questions. Right. So Alien Lives Matter, I'm just going to go and I've talked to this person on Instagram Okay, I mean, I found Benji's first. So we do um, that sure. question for Jay. Love Benji. Yeah, he's awesome. Hey, what is the correlation between creative people and the phenomena, and why are we all so in tune with all of this? Great question, Benji. Gosh, okay. Um, 
you know, my my experiencer group co-founder Stuart Davis has a whole podcast about this. It's called Aliens and Artists, and I highly re recommend checking that out. Um, I've been on it as an anonymous experiencer. I was I was on there anonymously as anonymous experiencer one about a year ago, which tells you how recent all, uh, all of this has been for me. Yeah. Um, um, but um, in terms of being uh, in public, quote unquote. Um, but Benji, I think, you know, a lot of people hypothesize that there's something about the right brain, the creative side of the brain um, that that is that finds logic less useful or it less employs logic and is in this kind of like seen as the creative side of the brain. Right. And um, back in the Stanford Research Institute um, remote viewing days, you know, it was often hypothesized that things like that, that things like remote viewing were more accessed by the creative side of the brain that and that suppressing the left brain um, or suppressing the more logical side of the brain um, was actually incredibly helpful for like accessing quote unquote the field or or whatever it, that that unfiltered state that remote viewing takes place in right and so i think that there may be something there i think that there really may be something there but in terms of a more intuitive understanding you know, could it also have to do with a little bit of nurture as well as nature and that the that the creative mindset, you know, being more open minded, you know, not not uh, no pun intended, but like it's <laughs> it's 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 super possible, you know, that that if you are less grounded in in the day to day life, if you're looking more inward, you know, that many creative people, you know, you you develop the kind of inner easel you know the inner the screen in your mind where you can kind of work on you can visualize and work on paintings when you're not in front of the easel or the studio you know you just sit and stare at a blank wall and kind of imagine it and like that space you know seems like a very helpful space for some reason it yes. seems like a like a an intermediary um room it almost seems like a room where as you develop that space, that perhaps that space, as one develops that mental creative area, that 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 almost creates a waiting room where where another where another intelligence can walk in the other door or something like that. Maybe there's something there too, you know. I like that analogy. Um, in shamanic journeying, and not, don't um, anybody listening, I know shamanic is used um, incorrectly, but for Pete, this is what people know it as, because if I said spiritual journeying or, you know, um, ritual journey, you're not gonna know what I'm talking about. So in shamanic journey, you do access that area, but I've mm -hmm. never thought of it as um, that part of the brain. I have, but not the way you explained it. Um, I knew that side of the brain, because in spiritualism, in all sorts of spiritualism, that's the side of the brain that is supposed to be your like receptive side. Mm -hmm. And you're more kind of like, I guess, like feminine side. So it's a, and when I say feminine, I don't mean like long hair, hot heels. I mean, like, you know, the emotionally intelligent side, the nurturing side, the artistic side and that sort of thing. So it's interesting that you say it like that because um, it's true. And that could also explain why so many people that are accessing that part of their brain, like artists 
are also accessing other realms that mm -hmm. are invisible to like right now, like what we were just looking at. So I like that analogy of the waiting room. <laughs> oh, thank you. And thank you, Benji, for the question. All right, let's do one more because I don't want to keep you sure. too long. I know it's Sunday and I appreciate your time. Uh, um, I appreciate you having me on. <laughs> this is great. Yeah, I love it. I was like, I can talk to you forever. So Jay, triangle markings on the body. What does that mean mm -hmm. after contact? Does it necessarily mean that they had to abduct you to put it there? Does it mean an implant? That's a good question. And I, um, I, I wonder why this person asked me that, but I, I have had triangle markings myself. Um, in terms of like three dots, three red dots, mm. waking up in the morning. It's usually in, um, not just me, but with other people, it's often found in an area of the body that the person wouldn't see themselves, which is interesting. Oh. It, it, sometimes it's on somebody's back or like on the back of the leg or something like that, someplace you wouldn't find obvious, um, but not always. And I, I'm unsure. There's There are... There are a lot of people that kind of track what's called like the red grid mark phenomena or something like that. It's not always a triangle. Sometimes it's a grid of dots. Sometimes it's a bullseye. It's almost mm. like, like a circle with like a cross mark in it. And, you know, I, 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 perhaps there's somebody out there that has done uh, extensive enough research and has enough um knowledge of, of implants or anything like that, you know, I'm, I, I don't know, but I, whether it has been, whether it's meant that there's certainly a physical abduction, I don't know because I, I have heard of instances and seen, you know, secondhand of instances where someone seemingly didn't go anywhere mm and they woke up with marks on their body where they seemingly were accounted for that entire time where but at the same time it's very difficult because you know in in books like say abduction by john mack which i highly recommend it's one of the best <laughs> books in the field um but uh you know he has remarked he remarked many times on you know a that it's very often that people around the abductee get quote unquote switched off and they're kind of made to go unconscious and you can't wake them up for the life of you, you know? Yeah. And, and, and at the same time, there's also screen memories that that's a common thing as well. And that people, and that not just the abductee, but sometimes other people around the abductee have missing time as well. Yeah. And so it's really difficult to parse apart, like, when did this physically happen or when did it not? Because even the people that would be able to corroborate may find themselves with patchy memories or right. having passed out or been away at, a, at an opportune moment. Um, but I don't know that it means implant, but there that, but I, I do want to say though, that for anybody that wakes up with, with something like that, this is a very serious and, and very real thing that, yes. you know, it's not, it's no joke that, that, that people will wake up and have scary, um, very, and these aren't spider bites, 
you know, they often mm -hmm. appear too geometric. Sometimes they'll be accompanied by scoop marks that actually sting. They hurt sometimes. Yeah. And, and waking up with, with, with situations like this is, can be a highly traumatizing situation because it's, you know, for a lot of people waking up with marks like that and not having a memory of it, it's, it's almost like getting roofied or something like that. Right. You know, it's like, it's like, recognizing that there's evidence that maybe you've been assaulted or quote unquote, you know, something akin or adjacent yeah. to rape and yes. that, and that you don't, and that you don't know who it was. You don't know where it came from. You don't know whether it's going to happen again. And it's really difficult. And I appreciate your trigger warnings earlier and things like that, because waking up with markings like that yeah. can be just can be, as traumatic and as shocking of experience as as seeing one of these beings right in front of you because you have even less answers when you just see the secondary this the secondary evidence like like a marking like that so um i um alien lives matter if you'd like to dm me on twitter i'd be happy to continue the conversation with you if you'd like to speak with about it in a more personal way that's absolutely just fine yeah, Alien Lives Matter is great. Um, a lot of great thoughts behind that person. And um, we've talked kind of like behind the scenes on Instagram and is a very caring individual, um, very um, open-minded. And the way he, um, they approach things is very, it's different. Um, you don't see a lot of empathy towards the extraterrestrial. And oh. um, mm -hmm. that's um, one of the things that Alien Lives Matter and I have talked about. But yeah, it is very scary. There's a point where... Um, I'm not going to get into too much detail because we're like over an hour. That's okay. Uh, and it's yeah. also still kind of weird to talk about because it's a more recent experience at the beginning of 2021 mm -hmm. where my son had been asking where I went last night. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, you're being silly. You didn't see me. Now, this mm -hmm. boy was, um, we co-slept since uh, he was a baby because I nursed him. And I don't care what people say. Like, he you know, he's, he's alive still. So um, he it worked out better um, <laughs> for everybody. Mm -hmm. So yeah. he still comes in our room like at one point every night, whether I have a salt lamp on or nothing, he finds me. Mm -hmm. And I just thought he was being silly um, until I had a, an experience. I couldn't explain where I woke up somewhere else and I don't sleepwalk. That was super mm -hmm. freaky. Like when you say like, this isn't a joke that people wake up and they're freaked out. Mm -hmm. um, it's almost like being roofied. Like you don't remember what happened, but you know, something happened. Yeah. But I did not make the connection of him asking me, during that time frame when these things were happening, um, where did you go last night? I thought he was being silly. Yeah. And I was just like, I didn't go to my meditation room last night. And I went to bed last night. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Stuff like Absolutely. that. And you're just like, what the hell? <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that it's really important. And it sounds like it's good that you have, um, it's good that you have uh, such an open conversational um, re relationship with your child that way that they feel comfortable speaking with you like that and that that you've come to understand you know oh there's something there you know because yeah. that's that's so I feel like that what I see is that that's really important when when I was a kid my mom um, didn't know what to think you know right. And, right. and you can actually you can actually hear my mom on on those aliens and artists episodes that i mentioned earlier oh, awesome. where i was speaking anonymous anonymously she was on there anonymously as well and and talks about her frustration and what what she was right. going through at the time and um you know i think 
that one of the things that really helped was being able to have an open dialogue and that she was able to keep an open mind as well. And that's I think that that's like super critically important for, for parent child experience or relationships like that. Right. And yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you mentioning that. Um, I appreciate you mentioning that. Also, I appreciate Alien Lives Matter talking about yeah. the agency and, and what, and in terms of thinking about, um, in terms of thinking about these other beings, because often yeah. people, they want to automatically create binary situations. Right. They want to know whether somebody is good or whether somebody is bad. Yes. And, and somebody that's hurt me more than once will, will, will almost will almost certainly know that I try to resist situations like that. And I try to think of them, I try to think of other beings more like I would a neighbor, where I wouldn't, I wouldn't think of my neighbor in the condo next to me right here as being evil or all good right. because people aren't like that. You no. know, people are, they are complicated and they're, and anybody with any reasonable in, uh, amount of, of, of brain matter is going to have lots of their own kind of, you know, they have their own motivations. There might be group motivations. And often, as you were kind of mentioning earlier, they'll, they'll often, people will encounter some of these beings and they'll be doing the same thing that somebody else has done before, you know, these kinds right. of situations, but it's like, we don't think that every nurse that we meet is the same person right. or has the same mindset. And even if you think the worst of, of some of these beings, we don't, you know, as a mental exercise, we don't think that all criminals or even all murderers are the same person, you know, right. it would be really confusing if we did. Exactly. It would it would it would cloud the process of of how to think and how to feel about people if we when we start collapsing those those kinds of barriers down and so I appreciate I appreciate you mentioning that because that's an important conversation I think definitely that, yeah because we he brought it up to me um, because of the whole uh, amendments having the language of captured in it and yeah. um, you know the tendency of you know, our government here, um, our, especially our military and all the agencies involved in the government um, to want to advance uh, for, you know, weapons or have the highest tech. And I get it, you know, from, you know, security standpoint, you know, I'm a military family and I understand the importance of having the best when it comes to that. But at the same time, I understand, you know, it's just like an animal, like, like, a, you know, like if, if a dog runs into your yard, you're not going to be like, shoot it or capture it. You know what I mean? Maybe you are to so keep it safe, but maybe it's like a dog, you know, like a chupacabra looking dog. It's a freaky looking dog. You don't want to like, you still want to have that humanity. We would do it for animals. So we should definitely yep. do it for beings that are kind of like, I would say like closer to us than um, our animals as far as, you know, morphology, morphological traits goes and even like uh, brains go or, you know. Not that I know what an alien brain looks like, but obviously, like we have a lot of like similar similarities with our appearances. So yeah, I thought that was um, when I was, the whole thing was getting passed. It's like it's kind of weighing like the greater evil. Do we not have anything passed because that's there, or do we kind of like work with that and accept that one bad seed and try to work with it once it's there? So um, definitely reach out to Jay um, because he has a lot, you know, um, to offer you. You have he asked me a lot of questions, and I'm like. I don't know how to put this. I, I think that I don't know. Um, it's it's good to have two people to go to, you know, um, more people to go to than one. 
So Absolutely. yes, thank you for all your questions. And if we didn't get to your questions, I'm so sorry. Um, I'll, we will definitely, I'm sure I'll see Jay around more often and try to have him on maybe like later in the year for a recap um, sure. or something. Cause I think that there's a lot to be talked about still. And I think oh, I'd be happy to. Years, so. <laughs> and I'm Absolutely. sure I'll see you on Sean's show from time to time too. Oh, for so, sure. <laughs> oh, thank you. So, Priscilla. Um, yeah. I mean, like it's hard to find people to talk to you about this stuff and I still have like, a ton of questions, um, sure. you know, about like other people coming to me with their experiences and, Mm -hmm. I can hold space spiritually, but they, some people want more. I feel like you're both like, you know, like I, like I know a lot of science stuff, but I don't, um, I can't spout it off because I'm very absorbed in the whole, like, um, after taking, I took a priestessing, I did priestessing training. So I kind of approach it that way. Sure. Um, but I think the duality is nice to have somebody that you can refer to that. Yes, that was definitely a woo experience or out of this world experience or crazy experience, however you want to call it. And, I can help, I can hold space for you um, with empathy, mm -hmm. but I can't answer that question. So it's good to have somebody like you available that is scientific minded as well, but also very uh, emotionally intelligent. So. Oh, thank you, Priscilla. I appreciate that very much. And uh, well, yeah. For... Have... Oh, so sorry. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. I'm going to have you hang out in the back so I can say thank you. I always like to say thank you um, after we're not live. So sure. just hang out for a minute. Don't just like blip off. Um, and thank you to everybody that joined in the chat that I didn't mention. Um, I see Brad. I think I saw Alien Girl. I saw Vinny. Um, more people that came in. If I don't say your name, I'm sorry. But thank you so much for joining. The support means the world to me. And if you're listening to this on UFO Podcast, um, which it won't always be there because they announced they're going to do their own network for other podcasts, which is super cool. But if you're listening there, do um, give some feedback there. And if you're on YouTube listening, or watching, please give a thumbs up, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. And as far as things coming up, I wanted to remind everybody about book club at the end of the month. And we're reading this. Sorry about the ring light mess. There we go. Oh, kind great. Of. <laughs> Love so John Keel. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, everybody should start reading it now because book club is on the 29th, which I think is like a Saturday or Sunday. So, um, I've, you know, I think that I have maybe like one or two spots available, Jay, if you want to like come on into the um, panel. But otherwise, sure. please come in the live. I will be always take like time at the end to do questions and take book suggestions so you can actively participate in that way. But start reading if you haven't. And on this Wednesday, I'm going to have Savita on and she is a starseed and has a YouTube channel as well. So we're going to talk some cool starseed stuff. And um, if you're not into it, you're not into it. But I think it's interesting to <laughs> cover all avenues. So thank you so much. Have a great night and Happy New Year. And I will see you soon. Happy New Year, everyone.